Welcome to the Unsweetened Sayo podcast. My name is Siobhan Harris. I am a certified integrative nutrition health coach and the founder of unsweetenedsayo.com. I gave up all sugar and all flour on January 13th, 2018, and am finally free of my addiction. My mission is to help other sugar addicts find their path to freedom and live the sweet life without sugar. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 169 of Unsweetened Sayo, the podcast. Today, we're kind of changing things around a little bit. I'm going to be my own guest, which I've done before, but I am invited my friend, Anna Freeling, to interview me for a change. Um, and I really wanted to talk through, well, I'm going to be celebrating my five-year sugarversary on on January the 13th. So I really wanted um, to talk with Anna about that, about my past year and just some other things kind of going on. So I'm going to kick it over <laughs> to Anna and get this started. Well, thank you, Siobhan. And thanks for thinking of me to interview you. Um, I did interview you once before for my YouTube channel when you were first getting into some of your body work and and uh, and all of that. So, um, so this past year has been really different for you, and yeah. you've got a lot going on right now. So I say we just we just rip the band aid and let's <laughs> talk about you know the the most pressing thing that's going on in your life right now. Yeah, and I think I've, I'll probably get emotional. Um, That's okay. Yeah, I think I've alluded to it a little bit. This has been um, a tough year for me, a tough few years. Um, but trying to respect the privacy of my family, too, I'll say that, too. So I, I can't share everything, but um, I am going through a divorce and have been, it's kind of been in process, I would say, even for like the last year and a half, two years. So, and then even before that, you know, there was a lot going on, but that's been the biggest challenge for me in the past year. Um, and especially with how that affects my recovery too. I think this has been the biggest challenge I've had in the five years is this, you know, and how to go with something so emotional without my usual coping mechanism. And it's really fascinating to me because I've come so far, I've had so many tools, but when something so significant happens, so huge, it's almost like you just go right back to that comfort. Like, doesn't even matter that I know I have all these other resources. It's almost just like those just go out the window and it just reprograms. It was, it was very, in which I was able to observe. Um, and I will say I, I never ate any sugar or flour. Um, so I consider that a huge win, but there were, you know, some snacking and some other things that started to feel out of control. And I didn't feel as free as I have felt before, um, which I'm also happy to report has kind of come back around, which I've also hinted to in some other episodes, but it was very unbalancing for me and very kind of scary for me. At, at no point did I think, oh, I'm actually going to eat sugar or flour. Um, but 
I definitely, you know, thought about it and it was more tempted because I wanted the pain to go away. It was just too much to, to handle. You know, and, and I'm sure being somewhat of a public figure, it's really hard to feel like you're being authentic and everything else. Like you feel like you have to disclose everything to everyone, but you really don't. Your, your personal life is your business, but there's that, that feeling inside, isn't there? Like, um, somehow your life is supposed to be an open book if you're somewhat of a of a public figure and like you said you have to respect the privacy of your family so how did you cope with that yeah that's and thanks for saying that because um that even makes me kind of tear up because it's really important for me for this to be very authentic um you know all of my interviews uh that's been you know, from the start of this, I wanted to be really authentic. Uh, I even on on like Instagram and social media, I don't want to be that person that looks like everything's perfect. You know, I've always shared my struggle with parenting or other things going on. Like I'm never that person that like pretends everything is okay because it's not. And it helps me to share that it's not. And it really helps me to connect with those people that can also say, yeah, life isn't perfect. We have our all have our challenges. So that has felt very hard for me to not share more. Um, but you know, you know, Chris is a lot more private than I am. And and it's also like kind of feeling protective of my kids, again, knowing that this episode is going to be out there, you know, to listen to. So I, I am just very protective of that and, and others' privacy. But you are also right. And thank you for saying that doesn't mean, you know, not like I'm a huge public figure as much as say like a celebrity or someone is that you feel like you have, you know, should have access to all of their private life, but really, you know, no one has that. So, but it is important to me to kind of, I really have been wanting to share this. I am kind of a person that tends to share more, I think, um, than other people. So this is really, and that's why I think I'm so emotional today is it's something that I've been wanting to do. So I feel very grateful now to have this opportunity and I'm recording the video too, which I normally don't do. And sorry, the sun is kind of coming in and out for people watching this. Cause I want to put it on my YouTube channel too. Cause again, it, it was just the full transparency part. I wanted people to really see me and kind of feel and connect to, you know, what I'm saying. So. Another thing I heard you say, as you were sharing is that you didn't go back necessarily to like the sugar and the, and the flour, but you kind of flirted around the edges with some things that you started losing control with. And you know, from my training and from what I understand about addiction is that an addict will very rarely relapse on their drug of choice. They'll flirt around the edges with something else. So you could see you were headed for trouble. So um, did that work for you? Did it alleviate your feelings or did you have increased remorse? How did that go for you when you were kind of flirting around the edges and kind of playing with your food a little bit? Yeah, I felt very out of control which I, I do not like. And for the first time, you know, and this is, you know, I don't even know exactly when it started. Um, I don't know, maybe like say around this time last year, but it was gradual, you know, but I, by, you know, a few months ago, it was really bad 
where it felt like I had guilt and shame around food again that I hadn't experienced in so long. I would wake up in the morning and I would feel like, oh, I wish I hadn't eaten that last night or today I'm going to be better. And that was that old thinking, you know, that I used to have and had been free of for so long. And it was scary. Like that's the word that comes. I was terrified. I did not want to, I worked too hard to get where I was. I did not want to go back to that place. And for me, again, no sugar or flour, but how it manifested for me was more snacking. And I'm someone, and I know everyone's food plans are different. And for me, I was someone that was able to have tortilla chips, you know, with as long as there wasn't flour or sugar in the ingredients, I could have popcorn with butter. Um, sometimes I'd have sweet potato chips, which I try to always be careful because, you know, I hate those seed oils. And I, I was always like, yeah, the seed oil, I know there's seed oil in this, but it would be like a rare occasion that I would have this stuff more of a, a, of a treat, you know? And then what I was finding was I was eating these things every single day. And so that's interesting because yeah. the disease of addiction is progressive. It's chronic and it's progressive, meaning it doesn't go away. And it progresses even when we're, you know, and so I know one thing that I love about Judy and one reason why I think it's probably your number one podcast was with her, right? Everybody mm -hmm. loves to listen to her talking about her 80 pound cheese curl, right? Yes. Because she's had to evolve her food plan over time. And sometimes that's what we learn as we go on. Like this wasn't a problem for me initially, now it's a problem with for me. And so we like to teach people, you know, to really um, look at your, look at what's going on right now. Like don't rely on your yesterdays. If, if we start to lose control over certain items or certain things that we thought were okay for us, you know, we want to stay safe no matter what. So what did that look like for you getting back to safety? Yeah, I think that's so important. And I realize and say that I know the food plan's going to evolve, you know, and even just our nutritional needs are different at different times in our lives. Um, but yeah, it still kind of snuck up on me. I, the other thing that I seemed, you know, I used to not really eat was bananas because I do eat fruit um, like once in a while, but bananas are something, even before I knew I was sensitive to sugar, I knew I was sensitive to bananas. And that was another thing that kind of snuck in. I was having, and just like one banana a day. I mean, it wasn't like I was eating 10 bananas a day, but I could tell that it was kind of triggering up, you know, kind of working all together. And again, I just want to say again, just that feeling. Yes. Wheel, right? It was yes. the obsession and compulsion and the, the waking up, regretting what you ate. Yes. Thinking about, well, I'm going to have a banana again and tomorrow I'll start and all of that kind of like um, maladaptive behaviors that come with the addict mind, right? Which so again, I'd been free of. Yes. Right? And even with the banana, you know, as we're talking about that, I think some of it was like, I knew I shouldn't eat a banana. So it was almost like rebelling against that woman well, eat that banana anyway. Like, I don't have control over this huge part of my life. And when I, you know, it was, it, that's where it came back into too. Like I had kind of truly, I still love to eat, but I didn't like live to eat anymore. You know, it was kind of in the background. Food was just in the background for so long. Now, suddenly it's in the foreground and 
yeah, like, are you going to have that banana today? You know, that little voice is on the shoulder and well, let's have some popcorn, you know? And then it was like, let's have, you know, another thing I was eating was like some nachos. It was just again, melted cheese on tortilla chips, technically something I could eat. But then I felt kind of awful afterwards, you know? And I didn't, I will also say it wasn't like I overate, ate like mass quantities. It was just that I was choosing to eat food that I knew didn't feel good on a daily basis. And, you know, and that I didn't like, like you're saying, waking up and having those regrets. And, and I will say this too, my body changed a little bit. I don't believe in weighing myself at all. You know, I talk about that. I, I have no idea how much weight I lost even originally, but I was, could tell by the way, my clothes were fitting. This was over the summer. So as far as trying to think of when I noticed like my body changes, but I'm also in perimenopause. So I think that combined that um, with everything I'm going through and my body changing, I was kind of like, well, forget it. Like I am just going to eat a little bit more or, you know, indulge a little bit more since my body. So I think that kind of came into place at the same time. Um, So I guess I would say more around this summer. And I just noticed like my shorts were fitting a little tighter, especially like shirts in my arms were fitting tighter. And then that was the other thing I was starting to have. And it's really connected to me is feeling bad about my body and then making that making me want to eat more. Like, it doesn't make sense. You think you'd be like, well, you know, I seem to be like, yeah, yeah. For the normal person, though, it'd be like, oh, I better cut back. But that's the way this addictive mind works. So that was the other thing in play. Now you've been you're going through this huge thing, right? So what's your what's your recovery protection plan going forward? Like how are you going to um how do you view this differently? What are your goals for the separation for for with your ex, with your kids? Do you yeah. have goals? Um, because I know your heart. Yeah. And I know you want, you know, you want to um weather the storm as beautifully as you can. Yeah. So, so what are your what are your goals for? you know, this change in your relationship, because it's not the end of a relationship. It's a change of a relationship. Yeah. And that's something, you know, that we've really worked hard on, um, to make it as amicable, amicable as possible and really putting the kids first, you know, and really trying to do it in a way that's different. Like I agree, like it, no one gets married thinking, I hope I get divorced one day. You know, my parents are divorced. I never thought, oh, I hope I have two amazing kids and put them through a divorce. You know, that's what was most crushing was, you know, how this was going to affect the kids. But I think that's the other thing. I had a lot of stuff in place for the kids and everyone else, but I kind of forgot about me. And that was, that was where it started kind of falling apart. So I feel really good about other things in place now and then that's when I think it was like oh shoot what's going on like then I realized how of a kind of messy I was and that's when it was like okay it's time to address for me so I think as far as you know everything else feels felt really good and I feel like we do have a good plan in place for our family um, and continuing to do things together as a family and all this stuff. I mean, and the kids have been doing really great and they have therapy and support. Um, and so do I, but it was really realizing 
it's time to, and this is, I always say this recovery comes first. Um, you know, just like they say on the airplane, put the mask on yourself before you help others. And that slipped for me for a while. Uh, so now I would say I'm back on track with that too, that that's kind of my, you know, recovery protection is just a reminder that my recovery comes first. What did you learn from, uh, from putting yourself kind of, you know, lower down on the totem pole? What did you learn by not putting your recovery first? What's your big takeaway that, you know, things are going to happen. We never know what's going to happen that someone we love can be in an accident right now as we're talking, right? So how do how do you, going forward, knowing what you know about not putting your recovery first, what's your big takeaway lesson and what are you going to do differently? When I were you know, talking about Judy, it's just that no matter what, you know, my recovery comes first, no matter what. So for me, There are things that I need to do to stay strong in my recovery. That includes my morning and evening routines and walking every day. And when those things went away, like that's when I was just like starting to bring, that's what it looked like for me, starting to reintroduce those every day and keeping those rituals very, very, like I schedule them into my calendar now. Um, And my whole, as far as going forward, you know, I always, I like to think of one word for like the new year. Like when I was working with my emotion code clients on the new year stuff, I made everyone come up with like, what word do you want like to resonate? And for me, it's balance in all areas of my life balance. And I worked really hard this past year and, but I was burnt out, you know, it was too much. So, and part of that was because I need to be financially independent. So I wanted to make sure that I could, but I realized it was at the expense of my own recovery then. So now I am scheduling time every day, like making sure that there is time for me every day and starting the morning and ending the night with these rituals that I have is like key for that. And also realizing, you know what, like shit happens. And so each day, sometimes I don't get to do my meditation in the morning. Um, Like the other day, my son woke up throwing up three times at like 5 a.m. So do you think I did my meditation and affirmations and tapping that I like to do on a good day? No, that all got thrown out the window. But that was okay for that one day. But I did make sure that night that I did a little extra time for myself especially because it was a really long day taking care of a sick kid. And I was telling myself, okay, you've given out a lot of your energy today. We need to kind of restore yourself. So for me, it's like making sure I don't go like a few days in a row out of those routines. Not being perfect, but definitely making progress. And I know you had Danny and Catherine on again recently. Mm -hmm. I haven't had an opportunity to listen to it, but Danny always says it worked so well, I quit doing it. So um, one of the reasons that people relapse, I believe, is that we overestimate the our recovery and we underestimate the disease of addiction and the disease of addiction is always it's right there. It's chronic. It's progressive. It's not going anywhere. It's super patient. It'll it'll wait for just the right time to super patient. That's what I learned. It is right there. (laughs) So. you know, that's really good to hear that you put yourself back on the plate and that you're taking care of yourself and your own needs. And I know that you've also decided to explore 
um, some different things like with your hormone changes and everything, which mm -hmm. I think is important as a primal health coach, our bodies change, our, our nutrition needs change. I really believe that around um, perimenopause, we need to up our protein and up our fat and lower our carbs for the most part to get that energy to the brain, right? To just get that soothing kind of ketone <laughs> driven calmness. You know, and I've done a lot of episodes or trying to do more on, on hormones, because this is the thing, Anna, I thought I had until I was like 50, you know, I'm 43. So when I thought about menopause parent, like I didn't really understand how early that most people that starts in their thirties and it's that whole period, like it's really menopause is once you don't have a period for a year, right. but that's not the main event. The perimenopause can be 10 to 15 years or whatever. And that's really where your body has these significant changes. So I thought I had more time and you're so right. Your food plan, I think does have to evolve. And that is one of the key times, I think, especially for women. And so for me, and I talk about this, and I had Dr. Mindy Pels um, on an episode recently, I just I got her book just came in the mail fast like a girl. And that was like my saving grace, you know, I was so grateful to Dr. Mindy, who I just had on the podcast. And I told her that like, that's what pulled me out of kind of my downward spiral. And it just makes so like this whole thing is about eating according to your cycle. You know, the times of the month where you could maybe have some more natural carbs as she calls them. Like for me, that's sweet potatoes. I was eating them every day pretty much. Now I only eat them during certain times of my cycle. And there are other days of my cycle that I'm pretty like low carb, you know, like meat and vegetables pretty right. much. And, and it's so true. Women are different, right? I mean, we have progesterone and estrogen, which are, you know, at different times of our cycle or higher or lower. And, you know, you could be feeding a gremlin if you're, if you're eating wrong for that period. Exactly. A lot of people can do fine with, you know, adding no carbs at all. But I really think that's if you, if you do that, if you go that route, you've got to increase your energy certain times of the month. And that means maybe a little bit more fat. Yes. Yeah cycle because there's really two energy sources and that's that's carbohydrates and fat and so you're going to get your energy from one or the other and for some people you've got to have a little bit of carbohydrate and the, the goal of your food plan should be for you the individual to feel incredibly energetic yeah full of life from morning until night have a peace of mind between your ears not be eating things that are triggering that you know, the red dog to be nagging you all day about food or that obsession exactly. to go on. And I think it's so important to be very individualized and be very objective, not subjective, you know, not just subjective. Like I liked that you talked about, you could see that your shirts were getting tighter around your arms mm -hmm. and this and that. that's really good objective information for you to know I am overeating because, you know, I'm changing sizes. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. That's an objective measurement. And so is, I mean, I think it's, it is somewhat subjective, but how's your energy? And if yes. you're tanking, it could be something to do with your food plan. It could have to do with sleep. It could have to do with not getting enough uh, outdoor time. All kinds of things can be coming into play. Or not enough rest. I mean, I think we just underestimate rest. I know I do. I push myself too hard. So for me, and I recommend this, that her book really to anyone. Cause she even talks about people post-menopause, 
But it also talks about how fasting, like, you know, at different times of your cycle, you shouldn't have a really long fast because, and, and how it impacts those hormones, like what you want the hormones to be doing. So I just learned a lot and it just made so much sense to me because I noticed on my own during ovulation, I was hungrier and the week before my period was hungrier. And these are the two times that you could eat a little bit more and probably the times you should rest, you know, a little bit more. So it really made sense to me. And I was so nervous. It was like all over again, Anna with, okay, what's my day one going to be that I'm going to not have any snacks. I'm just going to get back and just eat, you know, and I was so nervous. I even thought, oh, I'll write in a journal every day. Cause that's what I did five years ago. And that worked. Um, but I will tell you the, the good news there was I was really expecting it to be as hard as it was giving up sugar and flour again. And it wasn't at all. Um, it was so much easier than I thought. Well, well, you had the experience of having the freedom. So you didn't Mm -hmm. have that all evidence appearing real, right? That's one of my favorite acronyms for fear. You didn't have that false evidence appearing real that you were going to be missing out by giving up something because you knew you were giving up something that harms you, that was causing you harm. Mm -hmm. And so when we first give up, you know, the sugar and all of that, I think it's very difficult, mostly because fear of missing out. That's a big part of it. Besides the fact that your body goes through all kinds of withdrawal symptoms. And And I didn't have any withdrawal this time. It was very, if if I did, I didn't notice it. So that really helped too. Like, that's what I was really like afraid about. Um, but I would say by like day three, I was like, oh, I got this. And now that's probably been, I just want to say too, maybe like a few cycles now, maybe I have three cycles and I was lucky to get like kind of an advanced copy of Mindy's book since she was going to be on the podcast. So I got to read it a little early, but this just came out. And, um, so I'm going to highlight it up because I, I haven't been following it like exactly, but that's the other thing that I really like. You don't have to, you follow it with work works for you. And I know we talk about this all the time. And even in my episode with Mindy, I was saying, cause day one, you're supposed to like first day you get your period, you are, you can fast again. And for me, that doesn't work day one, two, and three, I still need a little extra food and extra rest. And then it's interesting. Now that I've been doing this. It's like day four, which for me is tomorrow actually, my body is like, okay, I'm, I'm just not as hungry. And it's now just feels like it used to feel effortless. You know this, and that's how I think, you know, you have the right eating plan for you is when it just feels effortless. I don't think about it anymore. I would say within two weeks, my body reformatted itself at whatever you want to say, just went back to the way it was before where everything fits more normal. And yeah, my energy's back up. I'm sleeping better. And I don't wake up. The best thing of all is I'm free from those thoughts again. And I'm not worried about, oh my gosh, are my pants going to be tight tomorrow? And what am I going to wear? And you know, those things that I'd forgotten about that came back. And I think you're right. Like it's such a good reminder um, how close (laughs) you have to hold your recovery because at any minute, really, it can be really tested and that freedom can go away. So for me, it doesn't feel, it just was like a nice gentle reminder going forward that how critical it is to keep the, for me, what works for me. And I think this is different for everyone too, as far as recovery protection, what that looks like for you, all of those things in place on a daily basis. And I kind of recommitted 
to those things. Um, and so especially for this coming into this next year, I still have a lot of hurdles to get to with finalizing things and just other things that are just going to continue to come up and be challenging. And so I have actually gone into my calendar and scheduled time off for myself. That's I'm fun. not doing a motion code. Like sometimes I would do it every single day, just trying to squeeze people in. And now I'm learning, I might have to say no to somebody to say yes to myself. So you're, you're saying no to um, something really major this year as well. So let's talk about that. <laughs> That's I mean, going to be another thing that makes me emotional announcement, right? I know. Yeah, that will be another thing that is going to make me very emotional here. Uh, yes. Yeah, so as I was really feeling burnt out at the end of this year, you know, because just so everyone reminder, I have, you know, a 32 hour a week regular job that I work. It's very, very flexible, which is great, but it is 32 hours a week. I also do a contract event work on the side about once a month I travel and put on these events. And I love that because I love to travel. I love it. That's like one of my passions. And I used to be a full-time event planner. And this is a way that I can bring it back into my life, but more balanced. I'm not traveling all the time, which was hard with kids. And then the other piece is doing the emotion code body code work, which has really grown and that I really, really love. And then having the podcast and the, you know, sugar addiction, the group coaching. And it's just, it's just too much, I, you know, again, completely burnt out trying to do everything. So I really had to like take some time and be still and have some really serious like conversations with myself, like what can go, you know, and I, I can't give up my full-time job. You know, I get my benefits. I get 401k. It's my steady paycheck. You know, I can't give up the travel because I love that so much. And the emotion code and energy work, I'm hoping to transition even more into that work and grow that even more. So that left like the podcast and this will be um, my sugar anniversary will be four years that I've been doing the podcast. So I started <clears throat> losing my voice here. I started on my one year sugarversary. That was my very first podcast episode. And so here I am four years later. And I just, I feel like this is the time to say goodbye, which is so hard for me because I've been so grateful for it. I've met so many wonderful people through it, but it also for me, as far as recovery protection has been the community, the community that I've created through it and the accountability. You know, it's been even like, you know, again, during all these struggles that I've had this past year, that's always been in my mind is like, you know, the, the podcast and people that really count on me, it's helped keep me very accountable um, and talking with all these other people and sharing their stories. Like I am so inspired every time, well, but it's a lot of work back. What, um, mm. tell me what guest surprised you the most in the four years that you've had? Who was the most surprising guest that you had? Like you were not expecting them to show up the way they did or have the energy they did or say what they said. It just kind of blew your mind a little bit. And we haven't prepared just so everyone's li listening. Anna and I didn't like just, we talked generally about the things I wanted to cover, but no specific questions. So this is totally 
um, off the cuff there with that question. So I didn't prepare for it. It'd be interesting if I look, I'd almost want to look through all the names. But when you said that, who actually jumped to my mind immediately was Dan DeFigio, who wrote, you know, uh, Sugar Addiction for Dummies. Uh, I was just so, I loved our conversation so much. Um, and it was just went on tangents. I didn't expect it to go on. And that's why too, I never script questions. You know, I've been on other podcasts where they like give me a list of questions. And again, as far as wanting to keep it super authentic, I just didn't want to do that. So I was always came to each interview with like, okay, I'm going to read your introduction. We're going to go into your story and I'm just going to take notes and go from there. But that's been why I think I've gotten such good interviews is because, you know, every day we're different of what's on our hearts and our minds. And, you know, we might have a totally different conversation today than we would tomorrow talking about the same thing. So I always like let kind of put that intention before every podcast was just like whatever like people need to hear most like let that come up out of this conversation so so, uh let's just go with this a little bit longer so funniest podcast guest Anna you're so funny you make me laugh like I think I probably was like crying laughing so yeah I love talking with you you definitely make me laugh really hard and how real you are you know like um yeah, I, I appreciate that so much. It's just that the that draws me to people. And you you also are that very real, no nonsense. This is exactly, and I appreciate that. There's no like fakeness there. It's all authentic. And then as far as like one of my, my favorite person to interview, you know, now I'm asking my own questions, <laughs> is Bitten Johnson. Like, I love her so much. She's the first person that I listened to like on a sugar summit. And I was like, I have to have her on my podcast. And every time I interview her, I learn so much and I just love and adore her so much. So she's just someone, and I know she's inspired so many of us, but again, with that, like no nonsense attitude and being so real, um, so yes, I love her. Menopause a lot when she when she shares and she talks about how she went off the rails. She she says she was up to her eyeballs in chocolate. In chocolate, yeah. And, and I get that. She felt like she wanted to stop helping people, and she felt like I can't do this. And someone was like, "Well, why? Why? You know, get back on track. This is this is part of what happens. Why shouldn't it happen to you?" In other words, someone kind of let her know you're just a garden variety addict like the rest of us, right? There is no, this addict is, you know, they know what they're doing and this and that. Or they're exempt from this stuff. You know, no one's exempt from it. Exactly. It's it's part of the deal. And I like how Bitten calls it, you know, we we call it this too, having a flare-up. People can Mm -hmm. have a flare-up of their disease, right? And it might not even have anything to do with food. It might have to do with, you know, your phone and just like, oh, I got to see what's on social media or, you know, I got to see what people are chatting about here. Or shopping, you know, people just, you know, shop. Yeah, it shows up in so many different ways. Podcasts even, Mm. right? You know, and I think that for an addict, um, a lot of this stuff can be really dangerous too, just because we can compare ourselves one to another, right? Mm -hmm. Or we can compare ourselves like your podcast to someone else's podcast. Um, whatever and you can just you can find all of these places where 
for some reason, addicts are really prone to looking at what's wrong and not what's right about ourselves and about our lives. So I'm really glad that's actually a good segue. I'm glad you said that too, because this is the other thing. You know, I I always had the intention to write a book, right? That's why I wrote every single day for a year about my recovery. Turns out I'm not as good of a writer. I like to talk more. And that's where I started doing the podcast and kind of basically went through every chapter of my book. I even read from journal entries each month for people. And, but when I started the podcast, there were no other podcasts purely about sugar addiction. Like, yes, people would talk about it on their pot, but not purely about that. It was the only one. Now there's probably like five or six. And I was starting to kind of compare myself sometimes of, oh, you know, I'm not as qualified or whatever. And, but I know that I bring something unique and I know I have people that connect with and they kind of like that about me that I'm just like a real person doing this. And, um, but that's where I feel So I felt like I had this accountability and people are depending on me. Right. And I felt really kind of this guilt around not doing the podcast anymore. But why I feel some peace about that is I know there's so many good podcasts out there now um, about sugar addiction. So there's so much support. And not only that, there's also, well, I will keep mine up. I mean, I have four years worth of content. And that's the other thing. I was having a harder and harder time coming up with new ideas and guests. And, you know, it was more and more, more and more work, it kind of felt like, or more of a struggle, you know, than it was before. So that took some of the enjoyment out of it. But now there's just so many other podcasts out there. And I think such a great time to be a sugar addict. I always say this, even compared to like five years ago, because there's so many like communities like Sugar X, you know, and so many support groups, coaches, addiction counselors, like there is so much help out there that I feel I can kind of step away because this is my thing. I always told myself if I ever helped myself, I wanted to help other people. You know, and that's something I take very seriously. Like it still feels like a freaking miracle that I'm going to be celebrating these five years. And if I can do it, I want to make sure no one feels like they can't or feels alone like I did and just as down as I felt. So I feel though, like there are so many people that are helping other addicts now. So it's, it feels like to me, it's okay for me because we have plenty of support out there. I need to really, and this is something I will do. I have a, for people that don't know my website, unsweetensio.com has a resources page. So I need to go and update that. It's been a little while. I'm not going to lie. I have a lot more that I need to update and put on there, but I want that always to be available for people. So again, and that's what, you know, I always ask people, I'd have people reach out to me. And if I wasn't doing a coaching group, I'd be like, Hey, check out sugar X or Hey, check out this person. Like I don't feel competitive with other coaches at all. I just want you to find the right person that's going to give you help. And I think most of us feel like that. We say we're cooperative, not competitive. If we're not your cup of tea, maybe Siobhan is you know, maybe some other uh, group is, but find what works for you because addiction is a thief and it really robs you of joy and intimacy and the ability to be present. So a year from now, what does Siobhan's life look like? Like I have a magic wand. What is going on with you? 
Yeah. Well, the balance part, right? So, you know, and this is, I guess what I want to say, I'm not like opposed to maybe never, I love doing a podcast. Maybe it shifts into something else. The other thing I want to say is I'm not going to do the group coaching for a while anymore either. Just don't have the time. And I don't feel like that's fair to the people. I, I like to give everything my all. So again, like people that have signed up, you know, for, you know, just on my waiting list, I'm just going to redirect those people to other resources. So that's like, you know, my decision for now. And as far as when the podcast is going to end, I don't even know yet. I have a few more episodes that I want to do, but it's going to be like in the next few weeks. I just want to give people that heads up and warning, but I am interviewing actually tomorrow for, for later in the month, Dr. Bradley Nelson, the creator of the emotion code and the body code. So that wow. might be like my most exciting interview yet. As far as we're talking about guests, I also was like starry eyed over having Robert Lustig on. He is a doll. Can I just say that? He is he an is. absolute doll. And that was something for like three years I was trying to get him on. And then he did. So like, I just love, and there were so many people that I just asked and they said, yes. And I was like, wow, like totally humbled. So Having Dr. Brad, I felt was like a long shot. But for me, again, part of this recovery protection for me is emotion code, body code, and that work. And to have him on, I am just so excited about that. So that's what I'm looking like for a year from now. That's what I'm being called to Anna away, even though I still want to help addicts in any way that I can, I am being drawn to this energy work. I just think it's a gift that I have. It's a calling. And I want to even expand on that, you know, even more getting into more and more energy work. It just feels like what I'm pulled to. It gives me so much joy. I love being able, you know, to help people. And so I think that's what I see, you know, in another year from now, I've even thought about looking into like being a shaman, like really doing other, other work like that. So I, as far as like a year out, I'm hoping to create this more balance in my life, have some closure around my personal life so that I can kind of move forward and really, um, yeah, working less right? And making more time for rest and working smarter. That's what I should say. Um, smarter. smarter, not harder. Yeah. A question for you though, because you, you use the word closure and I'm going to tell you, I just experienced um, burying my ex-husband and mm -hmm. he had active addiction his whole life. And uh, we had been divorced for over 30 years. I mean, I've been married to my second husband for 31 years. And, wow. you know, I, I don't know about closure. So I, I want to know, you know, what do you mean by closure? What does that mean? Well, there's still some like loose ends tied up. I mean, it's more that kind of stuff. Like, and yeah, you're right. It, this, like, I think when you have kids together with someone, you are like, we, our, our relationship will continue to evolve and grow and more of a friendship like I really see this vision down the road of us each with new partners, still doing things together, supporting each other. Um, like Chris is extremely supportive of me still and proud of me for this, for the podcast. He's the first person I wanted to tell that I, when I, Dr. Brad said he was going to be on the podcast. So not really like closure in that, from that relate. Like evolution maybe. Yeah. An evolution, but like closure around, like just, you know, basically signing those papers, right. the logistics, the logistics. Yeah. I think that's going to allow me to move forward in, in some ways because, um, my heart is still just 
pulled apart right now. But yes, and just with time, getting used to the new reality and new changes and, you know, just being okay. It's awkward sometimes, but you keep going and you can grow and evolve. And I have this really beautiful vision of what it could look like. And at the center of that is my kids and what would, you know, be best for them. So, but for me, you know, personally, I hope too that I, I'm really going to work on building like a community here. Uh, that's something that's been missing out of my life and it's been really hard. So building a bigger community for myself, like locally, I have this great network of people that I can reach out to anytime. I have so many good friends, but a lot of them are on the East Coast. I really would like to try to put a little more energy into having like, you know, a few people here that just really feel like home. I should say the other huge thing in all this, oh my gosh, other huge, huge thing that I'm leaving now. Oh, so not only am I having the perimenopause stuff happening, going through separation and divorce, but then also my mom, who's been living in Oregon for the past five years, you know, 30 minutes from me, decided to move back to the East Coast, you know, and I didn't have at first it was like, oh, it's gonna be a few years from now. And then it was like, oh, it's gonna be, you know, another year. And then it was like, it's immediately almost like it just felt very, very quick. So she just moved back in October. Um, and that was a huge, I understood her reasonings, I got it, but it was such a huge, huge loss for me. And now that's a big part of my family here, you know, that was here. So I think that too. So again, looking at a year from now, I'm really hoping to have some, a little bit more of a community right here and feel like this is more home. Um, because I'm going to be here, obviously, as long as the kids are here. And I need to make sure that they're, you know, that it feels like home for me, too. And I feel grounded, grounded and supported here. I think that's an excellent goal. I think community and connection is everything, you know, and it, it's part of what makes you feel at home in your own skin. You know? And I'm going to lose that with the podcast. That's a huge loss for me. Again, it's just people, you know. Uh, over zoom but it's still such a big connection and just knowing people are listening and and, and emailing me and you know so that's going to be really really hard um i am going to continue on on social media and i was going to talk to you about this too so i was like well what because on wednesdays is when my podcast airs and you know i could put like old episodes up you know which i might do but I don't know if you remember, I did that 30 day da dance challenge, like maybe like two years ago. And I, I, don't think I did a few dances. You did some with me. I know I loved it, but I also really like lip syncing. And I'm like, you know what? That's maybe on a Wednesday, you'll see more and more of either a dance, dancing in and out moment or a lip syncing to some song, but more of that, of more of that from me. So <laughs> I still will be. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I think fun is something a lot of times when we get into recovery, we can become overly serious and, oh, I have to do this. I have to do that. And I have to protect myself from all this stuff. And, you know, the boogeyman's coming to get me and really like have some fun. Yeah, and make time for fun. They have some big ass fun. <laughs> have some, and you know what? I mean, what you're saying with the community is I need help. And I don't know if you yeah. know about these. Have you seen these before? Oh, no. let's okay, see so them. These, these wow. are my Elton John glasses. Oh my gosh, I love I them. 
um, when I saw Elton John in Omaha before COVID. And he said that he talked about the three most powerful words in the human language. I need help mm -hmm. celebrating his, his uh, abstinence from alcohol and drugs. Mm. And so every time I leave these on my desk to remind me that addicts, I, as an addict, I alone recover, but I can't do it alone. And that's what you're talking about. And I think that's so true. And so I keep these on my desk to remind myself I need help. And I also, when I hear people in my community and Sugar Arcs Global ask for help, I put them on as like a congratulations. I love that. I'm up because- and I did reach out for help. You know, that's what I love. I, I And I did. I And I need, and that's where I am still. I'm still in that I need help mode and building up the, you know, people to do that. And, you know, we were talking about that also- reminded me, you know, we were talking about just now, you know, the reels and stuff on Instagram, having fun. I realized I was so busy this year trying to work and do all the things. I didn't make any room for fun. My mom was like, when are you going to have like a social life? And I'm like, you're right. Like I need to, you know, because when I travel and then I have the kids Absolutely. on my, it's a lot, but yeah. I kind of shared something. I just wanted to bring this up on Instagram, this reel that I just resent to you recently. And I kind of recorded this on a whim too. I have no idea. I was just having a hard day. And I do like, I don't do a lot on social media because I wasn't even on it because I know it can be addictive for me. I've Dana who helps me with my social media. She does most of the stuff, but I do like to look at reels sometimes and more for that motivation and inspiration and laughing. And, you know, that, that song, um, now I'm going to forget what it is like came on and it's like more of like a dance song, but I'm sitting there listening to it and just started bawling my eyes out. It was just one of those days. And I don't know what in it, Anna was like, you should record yourself crying and make a reel out of it. Like that to me is so vulnerable, just like it is putting it out there that you have sugar addiction or whatever. Just like I'm always so inspired by and awed by people that come on my podcast and just share what they share because it's a very vulnerable spot. So I was just like, again, when you look on social media and all the fakeness that's out there and I'm just like, you know what, I'm going to keep it real. So I, I just recorded myself. It was very true. I was having a hard day. I was just crying, 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 you know, no filter, no makeup. It was just, I did it in one take. It's not like, you know, I kept being like, oh, let me cry harder. Like it was a real moment that I just decided to record and share. And, you know, most of my reels get like 200 views or whatever. And this one has like almost 16,000 views and so many comments and so many people that reached out to me. And it just was like, it made me realize that people are craving that authenticity and that realness. You know, I think um, aliveness too, right? And to be alive means to be able to experience all of our emotions fully and not shy away from any of them, which is maybe why you're so drawn to the emotion code. You I know? am. Balance. Um, I'll send you a tool that we use and we, we call it the recovery checkup grid. And it's about, it's literally how to figure out where am I out of balance, right? It's mm -hmm. a quick inventory that you can take. And it's really, what's your, you know, what's your spiritual life like? What's your social and relational life like? What's your physical health like? And what's your, you know, your mental health like? And 
there's things inside of each box and you can rate yourself on a gut level, just like, oh, you know, I'll give myself a seven here, but here I may be a five and anything under a seven, we feel like you need to kind of, you know. Well, and that's the other thing, like you said, you like, that's the other big piece I learned in all of this. Like you have to continue doing, you don't wait till things get to a zero. It's too late. You need to like, like you said, keep it at that higher, like that seven rate or whatever. When you feel it start slipping or be more proactive, you know, it's just like, you know, you, you don't, a lot of times we don't stretch until we like hurt a ha- pull a hamstring. Like we should be we stretching every day. And doing a recovery checkup grid once a month. And so you can kind of plan your recovery for the month because then in the bottom there's grids that are empty and you can write down like one to three things that you can do that you can schedule in to help you get that done. And even when I did my recovery checkup grid recently, I'm going in for an appointment today because I had a little teeny skin cancer on my eye oh. and I and it started coming back, even though they froze it off, you know? And, and so today, you know, I, I was avoiding making that appointment and I'm like, what are you doing? Write it down, schedule it, make the appointment. Mm. Boom. It's done. I love that idea. Yeah. Because it, you, and you have to like zoom out of your life sometimes and look at like what's really going on. Yeah. Big picture. A helicopter sometimes and not be so myopic and, and look down at this one little tiny thing. And I think the disease of addiction distracts us that way. It gets us so hyper-focused on one thing and we think we have to do this thing and everything else is falling apart around us and we don't even see it. So zooming Mm -hmm. out on a regular basis can really help with that balance piece. I agree. And just because we're doing the video, I had one more thing that I brought down that I really wanted to share that I got for Christmas called uh, the five minute journal. And I just, I really love this concept. I'm just going to show you, like, it's just like these blank pages, basically. And there's like a morning section and a night section. It starts with just a quote. And then in the morning, it just says, I am grateful for you list three things. What would make today great? Three things. And then a daily affirmation. And then there's also at nighttime, then you go back and there's highlights of the day, just three. And what did I learn today? And I love doing, we do this with the kids where we ask them every night, what was your favorite part of the day? What was your least favorite part of the day? But I really like to journal. And sometimes I need like the, I like this prompt and how fast and easy it is. And again, it's about setting those intentions every day. And then what did I learn? Like, even if it like unraveled, there's always going to be a lesson still that you had. So I really love this, this idea for me. Um, I think that zoom out is really important on, like you said, maybe a monthly basis. And then I really need kind of that focused intention every single day for me. Gratitude is huge. Gratitude. Yeah. Yeah. There's a saying that a grateful addict will never relapse. And I truly believe that that's true. Because if you if you wake up and you're grateful that you have another day that wasn't prom- promised and you go to bed and you're grateful that you were able to stay abstinent and stay out of your drugs and, your, and have a reprieve for your addiction for that day, your life's going to be so much better. And that's just a fact. And, and I, I feel that gratitude still, you know, it's yeah. hard in the beginning to feel that, that gratitude because the fear of missing out, you feel like you're, you're breaking away from the pack because the food is so, and this is what I think Dr. Robert Lustig is so great at showing is it's so normalized. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, it's normal. 
but it's so normalized in our culture. You know, over 70% of what people eat now is ultra processed foods. That's everyday regular people, whether they're addicts or not. Mm-hmm. And so when you're not eating processed foods at all, it's you can feel like, you know, isolated and, and away from the pack, but you give it enough time and you become so grateful for, for how your life opens up. It just opens up, doesn't it? No. And that, like, so the quote from yesterday, I just want to share kind of along with that actually was when life is sweet, say thank you and celebrate. And when life is bitter, say thank you and grow. And that's something like, I'm really like looking at too, is like the learning lessons and all the challenges, you know, in life, right? Like, and that's why like at the end of the day, it prompts you like, where did you grow today? Because I think that's really important to look at too, instead of just like, oh, this, because I could have easily been like way down, (laughs) you know, in the dumps every single day. But it is that mindset and even just the simple change of, instead of why is this happening to me? Why is life so hard? Why do I have to feel so much pain? What am I learning from this? Where is the opportunity to grow? How can I be a better person? How can I be a better mom? How can I be a better partner in the future to somebody? Like that to me is the biggest gift of all, right? You know, and being focused on the things that you're grateful for, but that's really where I was able to shift to what can, how can I grow and evolve as a human being right now? Exactly. I think, you know, we just put posted a video on YouTube about the question why, and, and the answer sometimes is just because, you know, mm-hmm. you don't, I doubt you're ever going to have a really good concrete reason. Why did your, is your relationship dissolving? But how can I get through this beautifully? How can I get through this, you know, supporting my children and supporting myself and supporting my ex mm-hmm. in a way that I can be proud of, right? That's what's important. And so getting out of the whys and into the hows and into the what's are that's that's where you know where the rubber meets the road that's where real changes happen and occur and real growth and transformation happens so um i can see that you're not at a point of fear in your life you're experiencing your feelings but you're embracing um everything that's going on and everything that's happening in the transition and you know you're going to have grief work to do around letting go of your show letting Mm -hmm. go of a a relationship you thought was going to be forever and uh and I just know you're going to be okay so and all from a place of love too you know like trying to do all of this with so much you know I think loving like a loving kindness practice is really good you know that comes up in my meditations a lot where you just kind of practice loving kindness with yourself and then like you know share it with and then send that to other people and I really do that intentionally every day too that I can show up going through something really hard but show up with as much love and compassion and kindness that I can just because again that's another choice to make right like just because things are going not the way you you had planned or you had expected you still have a way, a choice on how you react to those. And I will say that's something where the gift of my recovery, gosh, I I kept thinking that if I didn't, I would be destroyed right now if I didn't have my recovery. So I am so grateful 
still and so grateful for doing this podcast as long as I have and for all of the listeners listening and all the guests that I've had on the podcast. So many people that have, like I said, inspired me and touched me in ways they'll never even know or realize. Like I've just learned so much and been able, part of my own personal growth has been this podcast. And now I just ask, you know, for the, just help me letting it go now too, you know, all things change, things change isn't, you know, is inevitable. I would ask that if you have been a listener, you know, why don't you just email or reach out on social media to Siobhan and let her know what was your favorite episode? What, what touched you um, about what she learned or experiencing her journey with her and, you know, uh, let's have a little retirement party for <laughs> social media or a a pause button party, maybe like you said, maybe you'll revisit it down the road. So well, I love I, that. Uh, you know, I think this has been a great interview. And I, for one, am very grateful that you had me on, especially my first interview, because I didn't even know that you had a podcast. <laughs> so I thought that that was a really incredible thing. I just did the sugar with you and then you had me on. And I had no idea that I was going to share as much as I shared. Such a good interview if you haven't listened to it. And that's what I encourage people. There are so many good interviews, like go back and listen to them, you know, just because there won't be new one. There's still so much more material. And I sometimes re-listen, especially like, Anna, if I have you on again, I'll re-listen to the other ones that we've done. And I'm always like, get something even new that I hadn't even, and I was a part of the interview and I get something new. So I'm so grateful Yes, for for having that. It's still going to be a resource for people. So thank you, Anna, so much for taking the time today to interview me. And I will say to everyone, too, I probably will do one more episode where I just talk some more myself, um, probably on my sugarversary. That always seems to be a day that I'm just called to talk more. Um, so yeah, there's still a few more interview in, interviews left, including Dr. Brad, which I'm really hoping he'll do a little demonstration on how it works on me, which would be, you know, amazing to have a motion code done by Dr. Brad. So thank you, Anna, though, this, this was really amazing. And you were just the exact right per- person that I needed to do this with. So thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for asking me. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. And remember, life is so much sweeter without sugar.